Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Amen. Praise God. The title of our message is, Have You Received? Acts chapter 19, beginning at verse 1, will be our opening text. Acts 19, verse 1. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. That's 20 years like after the resurrection of Christ. They never heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now, some people teach that once you get saved, you get all the Holy Ghost that there is. And a lot of people are hearing that kind of teaching today. Well, the Apostle Paul didn't think that that was true. And if you want to debate with him, remember, he wrote more than half of the New Testament. Pretty good credentials, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. He didn't think you did because, you see, his question, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe, makes that very clear. And once he located them spiritually, he found out they were disciples of John the Baptist. They were baptized in waters to repentance. He said, no, let's get you to believe on Jesus. So he got them saved or baptized into Christ. He got them baptized in water, number two. And number three, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Three things we see here. Saved, baptized in water, and baptized in the Holy Spirit or Spirit-filled. So my question to all of us today is, since this is the pattern throughout all the New Testament, have you been saved? Have you been baptized in water? Well, if you've been saved and you've been baptized in water, then the third thing is we need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. All three. They go together. And we see that happening throughout all the New Testament. So we've got three baptisms and we've got three baptizers. So let's make that clear. Let's look at the, first of all, the first baptizer is the Holy Ghost who baptizes us into the body of Christ or into Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. For what, by one spirit are we ba all baptized into one body. So who's the baptizer? That's not a trick question. <laughs> It's the Holy Spirit. By one spirit are we baptized into one body. So we could just stop that right there. We don't read any further. By one spirit we're baptized in this, into one body. This is the true baptism of the spirit. Not in the spirit or with the spirit. But of the spirit we're baptized into one body. Secondly, we're baptized in water. Look at Matthew and chapter 28 verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Who's the baptizer? The disciples, a disciple, a minister, a believer, etc. So we see the baptizer being an individual and we see them being baptized in water. So they were baptized in Christ, baptized in water. And then thirdly, look at the third one, 
Jesus is the baptizer. This is Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. I indeed baptize you. This is John the Baptist speaking with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. And he shall baptize you. Who's the baptizer? Jesus. And what's he going to baptize you in or with? He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Can somebody say amen? That'd be enough right there to start a shouting spell, right? <laughs> amen. Baptized with Holy Ghost fire. Well, every single one of us who is saved should be baptized in water and should be baptized in or with the Holy Spirit. They go all three hand in hand. And that's exactly what Paul did throughout his ministry throughout the book of Acts. We see that a practice in all the lives of the people. Well, notice something that John said. Actually, Jesus said it in John 7. Look at verses 37 through 39 in his gospel. He said we should receive the Holy Ghost. If Jesus said we should receive the Holy Ghost, should we receive the Holy Ghost? Should we be satisfied with just being saved and water baptized? Should we receive the Holy Ghost? Should we be baptized in the Holy Ghost? Was Jesus baptized with the Holy Ghost? Yes. If Jesus had to be baptized with the Holy Ghost, where does that leave you? And where does that leave me? We can't have an unction to function without the Holy Ghost. We all need the Holy Ghost like Jesus before he did his first miracle at Cana. He needed the Holy Ghost. So if he needed the Holy Ghost, we need the Holy Ghost. But let's read the verses. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst... Let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Almost like what we've been experiencing this month. How about it? Can there be any more up there? <laughs> Anyhow. But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him. Do you believe on him? Notice, should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given why wasn't he given because that Jesus was not yet glorified now before we comment the gospel of John records some events in the life and ministry of Jesus that the synoptic gospels don't record that's Matthew Mark and Luke they're similar gospels he focused more on the first couple years of the, of the ministry of Jesus, while they began from the time of John the Baptist being, headed, being beheaded, and then from there on, in the last year of the life and ministry of Jesus. And so we see Jesus, his first miracle we see recorded in John, took place at the marriage feast of Cana. And what happened there? He turned water into wine. But then also uh, we see that the nobleman's son was healed when uh, the... They came to him and said about the need that was there. And of course, he was healed. And then the pool of Bethesda, and Bethesda means the house of mercy. The house of mercy was really not a house of mercy. It was a dog-eat-dog -dog world there at the house of Bethesda. Because this man, all he wanted to do was get healed. But everybody else with minor things went in and got healed before he was. And so it wasn't really much of a house of mercy in that regard. But Jesus came and showed him mercy, didn't he? And he healed him there. And that's recorded in the Gospel of John. And then, of course, we have Lazarus being raised from the dead. In John's Gospel, chapter 11, he records that. And then also, we have the 153 catch of fish recorded in John's Gospel, 21 and verse 11. Now, think about that. When I read that over, I thought, who counted those fish? You ever think about that? 
Read it for yourself. It says, they threw the net over. The net didn't break. They pulled up the fish. This was after the resurrection, before he fed them fish on the, on the shore. And it says there were 153 fish. Someone counted those fish. I guess it was important to count the fish, but it's recorded. But the point is here, Jesus now is talking about, or John, I should say, is talking about another event that occurred in the life of Jesus. And this was the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the last of the seven feast days that the Jews were required to observe. The first four have already been fulfilled in their season. They were fulfilled. The Passover, when Jesus died, unleavened bread the next day, the next day first fruits, and then Pentecost, all have been fulfilled. The spring feast days, all these feast days revealed the redemptive plan of God. We're now living in the harvest time right now, waiting for the high priest to sound the shofar or the trumpet so that the graves could open and the dead and Christ will rise and we'll have the rapture of the church take place. And then the atonement takes place, which for us it's already taken place, but not for the Orthodox Jew. That's when the Orthodox Jew will see Jesus coming in the clouds and that's when they'll accept his blood as the atoning sacrifice for their sin. So the day of atonement. But then we have this last day, this great day of the feast. This is the feast of tabernacles. And this is exactly what it means that God tabernacling on earth with men among men. And it goes back to the wilderness experience where they put up their tents and they had the tabernacle that was built and God was manifested right there on earth among men in the tabernacle in the holiest place of all, the holies of holies. And they experienced his presence there in a powerful and glorious way. And so on this day, this last great day of the feast, he focuses on the ceremony of the drawing of water. And I have this written out so that you can take it home and look it over for yourself. So let's read it together here. Notice this in this point. It says, imagine a whole parade of worshipers. This is what was taking place. I want to establish the setting in which Jesus made this declaration. Worshippers and fluids led by the priest to the pool of Siloam. The priest has two golden pitchers. One is for wine. And the other, he fills the other with water from the pool of Siloam. That's the pool of Siloam where the blind man went and washed his eyes and he came back seeing. As the flutes, uh, he fills the, the other with water from the pool. As the flutes continue to play, a choir of Israelites chant. Now they chanted throughout this entire week, Psalms 113 through 118, the hollow Psalms. And they did this every year. As they celebrated the Feast of uh, Tabernacles. So they're, they're celebrating by quoting the psalm, chanting the psalm. The whole procession heads back to the temple to the water gate. A trumpet sounds as the priest enters the temple area. He approaches the altar where two silver basins are waiting. He pours wine into one of the basins as a drink offering to the Lord and water from the pool of Siloam into the other. The whole ceremony with the parade, the flutes, and the singing was such a joyful occasion that one of the ancient rabbis wrote, anyone who has not seen this water ceremony has never seen rejoicing in his life. So I want you to see how exuberant this was. I want to set the setting so that we can really understand the context in which Jesus cried out, if any man thirst. You see, this was a reminding of them of all the incidents that took place in the wilderness when they came out of Egypt. How they saw the cloud by day, the fire by night. How they saw 4,500 tons of manna come down from heaven to satisfy their need, for, uh, their hunger needs. And then 11 million gallons of water out of a rock every single day to provide for them 
to satisfy their thirst. And what Jesus was basically doing was saying that, look, this is fulfilled in your ears. You don't see it, but it really is. Look at Psalm 118, because this is what they chanted while he was there in the temple, while this elaborate celebration was going on. The flutes are playing, the trumpets playing, the worshipers are singing, and they're singing this 118 psalm. It'll give you new meaning to the verse that we always quote. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Look at verse 22. This should start with verse 22. If we could pull that up. The stone which, and listen to this verse. The stone which the builders refused is become the head stone of the corner. Wait a minute. Isn't that what Peter said? This is the reality of what they were singing right there with their Messiah with them. They're singing the stone which the builders refuse has become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Really? This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice, or we will rejoice and be glad in it. Were they? Did they? Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even under the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. The Feast of Tabernacles, you could actually say it has a more than one, one fold meaning. Yes, he was there in a tabernacle when they were out there in the wilderness. But also it represents when Jesus comes and sets up his, his kingdom here upon the earth in the millennial reign. And he reigns out of Jerusalem as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he tabernacles on earth among men. But also it's a reference to you and I have become the temple of the most high God. God's on the inside of us. We're his mobile home unit right now. But it also represents the fact that Jesus was there. God in the flesh on earth tabernacling with them as their Messiah and they're chanting this psalm and they're talking about how they rejected the Messiah who's become the head cornerstone and he's standing right there in front of them the flutes playing the worshipers they're chanting the psalm it's all and there the the antitype is right there the one they're singing about is right there and what does he do he's got to shout above all the racket and all the noise and just say if any man thirst Come to me and drink. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. He was trying to let them know, look, I am that rock that was in the wilderness with you. The water came out of me. I am that rock. And now you can come to me. Forget the pitchers of water that you're pouring out from the pool of Siloam. Praise God. Come and drink from me. And out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Holy Ghost. That they which believe on him should receive. Is he tabernacling in you? Is he in you? You're the temple of the most high God right now. He's living on the inside of you. Are you saved? Praise God. Are you water baptized? Praise God. But number three, are you spirit filled? Have you received the Holy Ghost yet? And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But first, look at John chapter 16. Jesus had to leave couldn't happen right then look at verse 7 through 11 
Nevertheless, I tell you, this is once again from John's gospel, the truth. It's expedient, profitable, or beneficial for you that I go away. For if I go not away, notice, if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he'll reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, and righteousness because I go to my Father, and of judgment, and you see me no more, and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. And so here we see that Jesus cannot come, I'm sorry, the Holy Ghost cannot come until Jesus departs. He has to first fulfill what he was sent to do, his life's work on the earth, and then he had to be glorified before the Holy Ghost could come. Remember, John said earlier, he can't come until, the Holy Ghost can't come until Jesus is glorified. Well, Jesus could be glorified until he finished the work that the Father gave him to do. So here he is on the earth, he's got to finish his work, and now he said, if I don't depart and go, then the Holy Ghost's not going to come. But before I go, I've got to complete the work that he called me to do. Well, you know why? Because the Holy Ghost needs something to work with. The Holy Ghost needs something to work with. If the work of Christ is unfinished, then he cannot fulfill or do what he's sent to do. In the beginning, we see that happening true. Until the word was spoken, he didn't do anything as far as creation is concerned. But once the word went forth and he spoke, he was hovering over the face of the deep. And then all of a sudden, boom, he acted. The same thing is true. Jesus had to finish and complete our redemption. He had to carry his blood to the high court of heaven and obtain an eternal redemption for every single one of us. And then once he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, once he was glorified and once he had his coronation and once, praise God, he had everything restored, his, his glory that he left behind was restored and given back to him. Now the Holy Ghost can come. See, the Holy Ghost could come and anoint those prophets, priests, and kings, but the, he could not remain and abide on them forever. Even King David was only anointed from time to time. All of them were anointed at specific times. But he didn't abide or remain on them on a continuous basis. But he's talking about a new day. When I send the Holy Ghost to you this time, he is going to remain with you forever. We're talking about a new era. We're talking about a new time when he cleans us up on the inside and we become the temple of God. And that Shekinah glory comes down and floods our souls. Look at it, verse 12, beginning with verse 12. Same chapter, John 16, verse 12. The Holy Spirit has, a, has a, an important role to play in all of our lives. I've yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all the truth. He'll speak to you when He hears of the Father, and He will show you things to come. He won't speak of Himself, but He'll, speak of, uh, he'll show you things to come. Whatever he shall hear, shall he speak, or show you things to come. He will glorify me. He shall receive of mine. shall show unto you all things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. A little while you shall see me, no, you shall not see me. And again, a little while you shall see me because I go to the Father. Notice he is saying, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And when he comes, he's going to take my place. Another comforter means one of the same kind. He's going to come. He's going to enter into you. He's going to guide you. He's going to teach you. He's going to show you. He's going to glorify Jesus. This is the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And... The Holy Spirit has been given on the day of Pentecost. He's already been poured out upon all flesh. But just like it's up to a person to get saved, it's up to a person to get water baptized, it's up to a person to receive the Holy Ghost. It's something that we have to do. We have to want to receive. Well, I thought we got, when you got saved, you got all the Holy Ghost. No, you don't get all the Holy Ghost, and we're going to show you scriptures to show that. But if you ask him for the Holy Ghost, look at Luke 11, verse 13. If you ask him after you've been saved, you can be water baptized and then ask him to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more 
how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that what? Ask Him. If He has to be asked for and you're His child, then apparently you don't have all the Holy Spirit that there is when you get saved. You have to ask Him. He's polite. He won't just intrude into your life or my life. We've got to ask him. So have we received the Holy Ghost? Have we asked him to come and flood our souls? And let's leave the tongues part out of it just for a moment. We'll probably talk about that next week as we're led. But the point is, we receive the Holy Ghost just like we receive Jesus. And when we receive the Holy Ghost, praise God, he enters into our being. The Shekinah glory enters in. He floods us with himself and overflows in our lives. The anointing of God is there. And we can and we should expect to pray with, in the Holy Ghost with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. But that was the pattern in the beginning. But leave that part of it out right now. Have you received the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, since you believe, is the question. That's the title. Have you received? And if you haven't, I want you to know something. There's an important aspect of your redemption that you're not tapping into. And he wants you to have the Holy Ghost. When my daughter fell 10 feet and I saw her lying there in a pool of blood and I did not know what to pray or what to say and everything else. And you talk about fear that's coming against your heart, your mind, your soul and everything. I just laid my hands and all of a sudden when I touched her body, it was an instantaneous thing where I began to pray in the Holy Ghost, in other tongues, in the spirit as hard and fast as I possibly could. And praise God after about, I don't know how many minutes of doing so. The anointing of God came upon me. The gift of the Spirit called special faith went into operation. I lifted up my eyes and I said, now I know she's healed. Let's go back and do the study. Finish our study. Long story short, she was miraculously healed that day by the power of God. But I guarantee you, if I didn't know the Holy Ghost and didn't have him filled with, if I wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost, I don't know what would happen even to this day. She could have been dead or paralyzed for life. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Can you thank God for the Holy Ghost? All right, let's look at the promise and the pattern, and we'll close with this. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it just amazes me how he, Jesus could be so clear in teaching his disciples about the kingdom. And he talked about how the kingdom is not without, but it's within. It's on the inside of an individual. And, of course, the disciples, you know how they were. They wanted to have um, the kingdom restored to Israel during their lifetime, and that's all they were focusing on. And Jesus tried to tell them, no, that's not what it's about. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He didn't say you're going to get saved many days hence. He didn't say you're going to get baptized in water many days hence. He said the promise of the Father is that you'd be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost they didn't get saved. They didn't get baptized in water. They were already saved and baptized. But on the day of Pentecost the Spirit of God descended from above and He came down upon them each and every one having cloven tongues like as the fire sitting upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. That was the initial outpouring of the Spirit. And once he came on that day, he is here. That was the Feast of Pentecost and it was fulfilled on that day. Not in the elaborate temple, but in a back street upper room where hungry hearts wanted God. Could you say amen to that? 
Not some beautiful flowery building with all the stuff that's going on. No, right into a back street upper room where these people with hungry hearts gathered together because they wanted God. They were fishermen there. They were tax collectors. There were all kind of people that were prostitutes that were converted were there. And they all got filled with the Holy Ghost and spake with other tongues. But look at Acts chapter 2 and look, look at the pattern that's established here for us to follow. Peter is now anointed. He is preaching on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem where, all the, where before he denied Christ. Now he boldly is proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah raised from the dead. And he accused them of killing him but God raising him from the dead. And when he gets done with his message, here's what happens. Now, when they had heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. In other words, number one, get saved. Salvation is when a person repents and says, I believe that Jesus is Lord of all. I repent of my sins. I give him my heart and the Holy Ghost baptizes you into the body of Christ. Number two. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, being baptized in water. We could say the first baptism is salvation. The second baptism is identification. You're being baptized in water. You're identifying with the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ who raised us up with him and made us sit together with him. So he said, number one, repent or get saved. Number two, get baptized in water for the remission of sins, and you shall receive. Number three, what? The gift of of the Holy Ghost for the promise. The promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Aren't you appreciative that that latter part is in there? All that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So what's the pattern here? Get saved, get water baptized, and get filled with the Spirit. So in other words, be baptized by the Spirit, be baptized by a disciple, and be baptized by Jesus in the Holy Ghost. That's the pattern. Now look at the next section. Look at Samaria in Acts chapter 8. Peter went down, I mean Philip went down to the city of Samaria, preached Christ to those people that were there. Miracles took place, signs and wonders took place, and their hearts were pierced. Now in verse 12, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they believed. Believe on his name and thou shalt be what? Saved. They were baptized both men and women in water. Then Simon himself all, believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, who is Jesus, they, went, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they came, were come down, prayed for them, not that they might be saved, and not that they might be baptized in water. But that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid their hands on them. And they received the Holy Ghost. So what did they receive? Who did they receive the Holy Ghost? So now we see three things again. They got saved. Water baptized. Received the Holy Ghost. A pattern throughout the book of Acts. A pattern that never changes. And then also look at Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, this is the house of Cornelius. He's the centurion of the Italian band. The Gentiles that received the word of God. When Peter had the vision, Cornelius had the, the vision, right? And what happens here? The same thing. Peter goes to his house after seeing this vision. 
as he was instructed by the angel to go. And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they had heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Now go on to the next. And, and they prayed. They prayed that he would stay there for certain days. Go on to chapter 11 and look at these verses here. Here's Peter now talking to the people that he had to go back to and communicate what happened there. And here's what he says. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words, whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved and as I began to speak the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning why is this significant why is this important because the Jews did not believe the Gentiles could receive the same salvation that they had received and so the pattern is somewhat different here as Peter is preaching the Holy Ghost falls on them they recreates their spirit they get born again into the, into the body of Christ. They're baptized in the body of Christ. But then, he bapti then Jesus baptizes them with the Holy Ghost and fire. And then they are speaking with other tongues and magnifying God. And then Peter says, Man, can anybody forbid water? See, it's somewhat reversed there because they get filled with the Spirit to identify them as being washed in the same blood and also filled with the same Holy Ghost that the Jews did on the day of Pentecost. And he said, just like we were, they got the same thing. So let's baptize them in water now. So we see all three baptized by the spirit into the body of Christ. Number one, baptized in water by the a disciple. Number three, baptized by Jesus with the Holy Ghost or in the Holy Ghost and fire. So the question is, have we received the Holy Ghost? Have we received the Holy Ghost? If we haven't received the Holy Ghost, it is so simple. A child can do it. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is ask. It's that simple. Father, I ask you to fill me with the Holy Ghost. He said, look, if you will give your child an egg, fish, bread, how much more will your father give the Holy Ghost if you ask him? So if you're a born-again, blood-washed child of God, you've been saved, and you're baptized in water, you don't have to be, but if you were baptized in water, if you had both of those, why wouldn't you want the third one? Why wouldn't you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? You talk about God coming in in full power into your life changing you from the inside out empowering you equipping you giving you an unction to function in this life like you've never done so before amen it's that simple just ask him just ask him so let's all stand together